share with you this morning some scriptural thoughts that God has given me from Psalm chapter 39 after my 51st birthday. And uh, I've been working on this for a little while, and so I, I, I wrote the sermon before my 51st birthday, but I'm sharing these things with you after my 51st birthday. I did turn 51 on Friday, and God has been so good to me. You know, I think back to, uh, you know, the day that God created me. I mean, it was before the foundations of the world. God loved me so much. that Even before I was born, before I was in my mother's womb, he knew my name. He knew who I was. He loved me that much. That thought alone is very, very humbling and, and, and uh, deserves never-ending praise. And then, on September the 1st, 1978, I got born again. I was saved. I was uh, changed forever. The resurrecting king resurrected me that day. And uh, he saved me. And you know, I've often said, listen, I'm, I'm thankful for April the 1st. It's exciting. It's a very, very special day. The day, your birthday is a very special day. I think it's an important day. In fact, I, I write every, I, I, I try to, if you don't get a birthday card from me, it's because we don't have you in, in, the, in our calendar. But I try to write a handwritten birthday card to every single church member at Gospel Light. And, uh, and I usually write, enjoy your special day. Because that's what birthdays are. They're special. I, I love the fact that God has let me live another year. And on my birthday, I begin to think about life more. I, I do. I don't just take it for granted. I don't let this day, that day just go by. I really enjoy the moment, live in the day, contemplate, and, and these are the thoughts I have for you. But, but my spiritual birthday, you see, Scripture teaches that it would have been better that you were not born if you are never born again. Scripture teaches that. So in, in essence, my spiritual birthday of September 1 is much more important than my physical birthday of April 1. You see? So I, I'm saying to you that, that the greatest day of my life was not April 1st. The greatest day of my life was September 1st, 1978, when God saved me. And then I'd say after that, probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, honestly, humanly speaking, is my wife, Carol Ann. Humanly speaking, no question about it. I mean, I've been so blessed to have such a wonderful wife. And I know, you know, I hope that on your birthday, this will be something you consider to, to really contemplate on, you know, just the blessings of God. And I think about, you know, what life has been with her. And then I try to imagine, and, and I can't. I mean, I can't even go there. It doesn't even register. Some of you have had to do that. I don't know how you have done it. I, you know, some people say, I know how you feel. I don't know how a widow or a widower feels in this room. I can only imagine the grief and the hurt of being absent from your loved one, because I can tell you, though that could happen, and though it almost did happen in our marriage, I almost lost Carol Ann at one point, but I know that I am so thankful she's with me here today, and I know that I could not I believe this with all my heart. I could not do, even come close to doing what I'm able to do, what little I'm able to do without her support, without her love. And when the whole world is crashing in, the thing that keeps me going is at some point when I get home and see her, I can say, you know what? Who cares? <laughs> she loves me. She's my wife. She supports me. And I don't do that in a mean way because I don't know that I've ever done that like that, but I say it in an exaggerated way so you'll know that, man, I, that relationship to me is more important than any other relationship. Now, my children, God's been good. God gave, God's given us five children. I get to be a dad, and, and, and uh, 
and, and a grandfather, and I'm blown away by that. You know, just, just to be a dad, it's so amazing. It is so phenomenal to have seed that God gives to you and to raise that seed and to be, to be godly seed and to, and to grow and love God with all their hearts. And, and I can honestly say that Mo and Joe's faith is their own faith. They're not, you know, they, I, I think they, they may look up to dad. They may see dad as a spiritual figure in their life. But honestly, they have embraced the faith and they're on a journey of their own searching, uh, you know, for a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Zoe and Chloe are on that journey, a little bit behind uh, Mo and Joe. And then you've got Glow, who is our caboose, who is our special needs child. But all these kids, all five of them are very special. I, uh, you know, I got, I got a note from uh, Chloe. I won't read it, Chloe, in the pulpit, because that's embarrassing. But <laughs> she's all, well, Dad, you've done it before. Why are you feeling so nice today, you know? Where did I put that note? Did I bring it with me in the pulpit? Do I have it down there? Anyway, I had it. Oh, I can't lose my note from Coclo. Is it on the ground? Oh, there it is. Thank you. Yeah. So, but my birthday note, so I got these from the kids. I'll just read this. It says, to my preacher, teacher, daddy, and best friend. Man, you talk about you talk about something. Listen, birthdays help you to stop and think and just say, you know what, I'm so blessed. And we have a special needs child. I'm beginning to wonder if if I need to feel sorry for you that you don't have one. They will change your life. And they are there is a lot of stress involved, but I'll tell you this this week, we have a family tradition every Sunday night. We we didn't replace, you know, Sunday night with just nothing. We replaced it with family time. And so we, we spend a lot of time together. Well, we've created a tradition on Sunday nights, and the kids know it. They love it. It's a big thing. I mean, you can start hearing the whispers go through the house at about 4.35, 5.30. Like, when are we going, Dad? When are we, we're going, right, Dad? We're going. Because we go every Sunday afternoon. We go to, or Sunday evening, we go to Starbucks, and, and they get a drink. They get to pick out a drink, right? It's just a family tradition. It's big time. I mean, we, we love it. It's, it's awesome. We go, and sometimes we might go to Taco Bell, or, but Starbucks is always, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the mix, and we, we just have a good time. Well, this past week, I think Joe was fishing, and Mo was playing ball, and, and Zoe was playing ball, so it was Carol Ann and myself, and Susanna, and Lainey, and Chloe, and, uh, and Glorianne. So we all loaded up in the car, went to Starbucks. So we get in there, you know, and we're having this family time, you know, and and, and, of course, you know who's paying, right? Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes. Anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm watching the damage being done there. And uh, you can do some damage at Starbucks. It almost, it, it's almost sickening. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, you always feel better when you spend it on family. Don't you? Isn't that true? You just always feel better. When, if you're going to spend a little extra and you spend it on your family, you, you feel like it's a good investment. So we're there. We're just getting little drinks and things. And Glorianne's with us, and she's kind of getting away a little bit, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, it's not too bad. You can't let her get too far away because Glorianne can do... She can do her own thing pretty quickly, and it's usually not what you consider to be normal. So <laughs> you have to really watch her. She'll do strange things, you know. She, she's just in her own little world. Sometimes I, I wish I could get in that little world. It is so stress-free. My world. I love her world. I mean, I'm jealous of her world. It's just out there in space, and she's loving it. And most of the time, Gloria, just like this, you know. And, and most of the time, people I spend time with are like this, and all, you know. So... She, she sat down next to a guy in Starbucks, a total stranger. I mean, I, don't, I, I didn't know the guy was. He's doing his Starbucks thing, right? 
laptop, Wi-Fi, whatever he's doing. And she plops next down to him, and she kind of gets close, and she's just smiling. She's looking. She's flirting with him, you know. Finally, you know, he leans over, and he says, what's your name? And now, let me go back. When I saw it, I got a little nervous. I thought, well, maybe I should go get her. Remember, we, we saw, you know. And then I said, no, no, she's okay. She looks like they're doing fine. Out of nowhere, while he's kind of, what's your name? She goes, she takes his coffee. She walks over to the, she dumps his coffee out. Dumps the whole cup. She walks back and she sets it down. And she sits down. She goes, <laughs> "Well, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, she's special needs. She's special needs. You know, that's a good oh, throw it. Look, if your kids do something stupid, just say they're special needs. <laughs> I said, she's special needs. I'm sorry. And so. He goes, I said, look, I'll give you another cup of coffee. What did you get? What do you, what do you have? I'm going to get it right now. Hold up. What, what is it? And he says, sir, settle down. I said, it's fine. He said, look, I, I, uh, I had a special needs child. And at 23, they, he committed suicide. He could not live with the fact that he was different from everybody else. So he took his life. He said, listen, I, I know what it's like. It's always right there, isn't it? It's always right in your face. It's something you have to worry about all the time. Listen. She's bothered the right person today. I'm great with this. A, a cup of coffee? Who cares? He said, so, well, you want to write your name, sweetheart? And he gives her the pen, and she starts. She can write her name. It's kind of, you, you can't read it, really, but it, she does write it. And, and so he's kind of, and I said, sir, I said, I'm just so, so blessed by this. I said, that, just the fact that you, you know, you're so kind, and you're not upset. I said, and, and you're, I'd like to hear more about your story, and so what's happened, he began to tell me his story and some of the things that went along with his son and the problems he had uh, since he was born, like, like Glorianne. <clears throat> but obviously his son was more cognitive of his problem than Glorianne probably will ever be. And so he, uh, we talked, and then at a, at a certain point, Glorianne kind of got, she got fidgety. She, she's not usually too much for, you know, I mean, we're, we're amazed at the fact that she is doing more things for long periods of time, but usually in an environment like that, she's going to get bored, so she's moving around. And she's kind of starting to stir up things, and I can see, you know, Susanna over there trying to make sure she doesn't rip open a, a bag of chips or something, you know. And so I'm thinking, well, I probably need to go. And so I said, look, sir, I said, uh, man, I've enjoyed this conversation. I have loved it. I said, I, I really need to get my family probably gone, and, and Glorianne's not good for it. He goes, oh, no, look, I understand. I said, could I give you my card, and could we get back together? And I handed him that card. He saw gospel at Baptist Church. He goes, oh, you're a man of faith. I said, yes, Yes, I said, I put my faith in Jesus. I said, I am a man of faith, but you got to put your faith in the right thing. And he said, uh, he said, well, you know, I think faith may have something to do with all of this. What do you think? He said, you know, I, that, 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 I might want to talk to you about that. I said, I'd love to talk with you about that. I said, let's, let's get together. I said, that's, a, that's, a, that's probably a longer subject. We need to sit down when you've got some time, when I've got some time, and let's just really talk about that. He said, I would love to do that. So we finished the conversation. He got my card. We went out to the car, you know. And so the first thing, of course, the kids wanted to know was, hey, hey, daddy, what, so what happened? So, you know, did he get mad? Was he upset? What was going on over there? You know, we were watching. We could... So I start telling him what happened, the whole story. And I told him, you know, what he said and about the son and the whole bit. And so Chloe says, wow, daddy. So God used Glorianne to pour out his coffee so you could talk to him about Jesus. And then, and then the Holy Spirit spoke up to me and said, 
He was sitting all by himself. You were at Starbucks. What if Glorianne wasn't there to pour out his coffee? Would you have said anything to him? Would you, spoke, would you have spoken a word? Would you have given him your card then? Would you have given him a track? So it's convicting, you know. But God did use. Hey, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. And so, you know, my family, I'm amazed at my family. I'm so blessed. And I want to share that with you to tell you that every week it seems that God gives us something so unique. You know, you may be sitting there thinking, you know, well, I don't know, man, brother, that's amazing. Those things just happen to you. No, no, they happen to you every week. Here's the problem. We don't stop to, to enjoy them. Our kids amaze us every week. Our kids do things every week. But we are so busy going through life, racing through life, doing things that really don't matter oftentimes, and so we miss these little extra supernatural blessings of God that make life really count. You see, it is true, time flies. It's true. I'm 50 years, 51 years old. I've passed the 50 mark now. And so I want to speak especially to those of you that are over 50 for the next 20 or so minutes uh, because I, I'm in your group. I'm in your, I'm in your world now. We're in a different season of life. This is a totally different season of life than we lived in the early years of our lives. And those of you that are young, listen, you get a hold of this because this is the kind of message speaking from someone who has lived 51 years that you could say, wow, man, I need to get a hold of that so I can live life to its fullest. Those of us that are over 50 now need to wake up and say, wait a minute, am I in cruise control? Am I just kind of going through life not recognizing how important it is? Many ask, where has all the time gone? It's a question I have, I hear all the time. Where, where's it all gone, preacher? The Bible speaks of three score and ten. Have you heard of that in scripture? Three score meaning 60, ten meaning 70. 70 meaning the, the, the lifespan of, 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 of a human, of a, of a normal life. Some of us here today, uh, Marion just celebrated 95 years. 95 years. Congratulations, Marion. And that's a wonderful life. But even Marion would tell you, honestly, still, time is flown. And life is short. And time flying by is not going to change. And in our text here, David felt the importance of measuring his days because of something that he had done. Look with me, if you would, please, at Matthew, uh, rather, Psalm 39 and verse number one, real quickly. I just want to read these verses to you, and then we'll talk about four things here. But I said, David said, I'll take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace, even from good. My sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. In a meditative moment, in a moment of silence, Lord, make me to know mine end. Lord, teach me to measure my days that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand's breadth. And mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is nothing, is vanity. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He uses that word three times. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. 
And so I want to spend a few moments as we look at that. Let me give you a little background here. David had just been in sin, and he had committed that awful sin with Bathsheba, the the sin of adultery that resulted in uh, a child who would later die as well. And then David's sin would lead to even more more awful sin where he killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, had him killed. I mean, this was a bad time in David's life. David was dealing at the writing of this psalm. Very important. David was dealing with the awful consequences of his sin. He's dealing with it. And so he writes these words, dealing with sin. He desired to get his life in order, which is a great thing. I desire to get my life in order. I I desire at 51 to say, Eric, okay, let's get some things in order, son. Measure your days. God, I want to learn from David's situation. And so we see in verse 4, our text verse, David says, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days. In essence, David was saying this, I'm not going to live forever. Now, wait a minute. I understand I'm going to live forever because I'm a Christian. But wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? In the context of life, in the context of life on this earth, in the context of walking these, this place, this planet, life, it is appointed that a man wants to die. So David knew he would, he would have a lifespan, if you will. The word measure concerns our life. Teach me to measure my days. That concerns our life. Someone has said, only one life so soon to pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. What a statement. Life is short. And truly, what we do for Christ is the only thing we can take with us. And so because I want to properly measure my days at age 51... Because I want to take my life out of cruise control and make sure that I'm, 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 I'm doing the things that will matter. Because the fact that life is going to be gone before I know it, I, I'm asking God at 51 to measure my days. So let me give you four things from this text. Number one, we must remember our life is frail. Our life is delicate. So delicate. Isn't that what scripture says in verse 4? Lord, make me to know mine end. God, help me to understand life is short. That the end is soon, regardless of how old I am, where I'm at in life. Help me, God, to know that and to measure my days that I may know how frail, how delicate I am. Our lives are fragile. Our lives are easily broken. I would like to take a moment right now in this service and lift up Mike Martin in prayer. Mike, our precious brother, if you call the prayer line, you already know this. You've already prayed. Mike, yeah, last uh, Saturday morning, actually, at 3 o'clock in the morning, Mike had gotten up in the middle of the night. He's battled cancer. He's, it's in remission, but he's been taking, you know, some medicine for different things, so he has some, some things that go, and he sometimes needs to get up, and he did. He lost his footing on the stairs and fell, hit the tile, and he's in ICU right now on a ventilator, and he's... Got swelling on the brain and bleeding on the brain. I got a text from his wife, Rhonda, who I spent four hours with yesterday, uh, with her in the, in the room, just praying and talking and trying to just be an encouragement to her. She said today the doctor said his CT scan is worse today. He also says it's a waiting game to see if he'll get better. So they'll do another CT scan tomorrow, 61. So let's pray. Father, we bring this before you right now. Life is frail. Life is fragile. Father, life is delicate. We understand that our bodies, Lord, are so fragile. But God, today we ask you, Lord, we ask you 
and, and we beg you and we cry out to you, Father, while we can in this moment that you would heal Mike, that the swelling on his brain would go down, that, Lord, any of uh, uh, the bleeding, the things that, that, that are worse this morning, that, God, they would get better. Father, we know that you are a miracle-working God, that you can supernaturally change things, Father. We pray for your will to be done. And God, sometimes, Lord, that's a scary prayer for us, but God, we do want what you want. We just pray, God, that what you want is what we want because we want healing, Father. We pray for healing. We ask you, God, to do a work, a work of healing, a, a miraculous work, Father, in Mike's life. Comfort Rhonda. And Lord, may our prayer for the family just simply be, God, that that even though we don't know what to say sometimes, that we would know that your Holy Spirit is interceding to the Father. And we ask you, God, to do that work, please. Please, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. And you can call the prayer line for updates every single morning. I, I can promise you that. But David had just committed acts of reckless living. And because of his acts of reckless living, he came to the place where he said, oh my what am I doing with my life? My life is, is in trouble here, and I, I've got some things that I've done, and I, I want to get control of these things. I want to get my life back in order. And so to properly measure his days, he knew that he would have to, to quit being so careless with his life. So I want to make this statement to you that we cannot be careless in our thinking, in our conduct, and in our attitude if we are to properly measure our days. These three things have to be in order. Our thinking has to be in order. There's so many things about our thinking that make us frail. Because we think we're okay. We think we can look at something on the internet and, hey, we're okay. We think we can flirt with the lady at the office. I mean, she's 10 years younger than me. It's no big deal. She likes it. I would never. And all of a sudden, we're so frail. We think we can handle that. We think we can handle watching this or that. We think we can, we, 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 you know, these little things that we ignore in our thinking, it's no big deal. Our conduct, how we conduct ourselves, our, our attitude, conduct. I, I would like to, I'd like to, you to think of conduct more in the, in the, in the, uh, in the context of holy living. Holy living. How important is that? We can't be careless in holiness. We can't be careless in our attitudes. I mean, we need to really be careful. Is our attitude right? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How easily are you offended? How quickly do you fly off the handle? What's your attitude like? Think about these things. Pray about these things. Because if we are to measure our days, these things are so important. Our lives are too frail. And what I've noticed about after pastoring one church for almost 24 years, I've seen the results of what happens when someone doesn't see Scripture as all that important. After 24 years of pastoring a church, I've come to find out that when someone sees going to church as no big deal, I've come to find out that those people, oftentimes, within a short period of time, their lives are a total mess. That's why we're so fragile. Listen, the next time you decide, you know what, I'm just going to choose sleep over going to worship. I'm okay. It's just one Sunday out of the 52. Wait a minute. Time out. Your life is fragile. You don't know how much you need it. What if you'd have missed today? What if you'd have missed the worship, the song, the singing, the message? This is what you need to think every Sunday. I can't miss. My life is too fragile to miss even one Sunday. 
Unless I'm sick or at the hospital with my loved one. I can't miss. I need to be there. Lives that are a mess. Marriage is broken. You know, I went through 10 years. And I used to brag, you know, hey, I, 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 hey, well, we got 10 years. I had no divorce in the church in like 10 years. And then the last 14, we've had dozens of divorces. Because truth of the matter is, is lives are fragile. Marriages are fragile. And we see it happening in church just as much as it's happening in the world. So we're frail. In the measure of our days, we must make our life count. We must remember that. I, I would say to Sean and Natalie today, as they hold their little Gabriella, you got, you got 18 years with her in your home. You may be extended a few extra in, in certain cases if she stays local for college possibly. But I want to tell you, it flies by. It flies by. I mean, it just it, it's like you hold that little baby in your arms and you think, man, this is so fun, still changing the diapers. And then you blink your eyes and she's at a wedding altar. I mean, I look at Chloe sometimes. I cannot believe my little baby girl is about to turn 15 years old. That's crazy. Oh, if I could just go back and have her again as a little. No, no, that, you can't do that. That's, that's not going to happen. So guess what I've got to do at 51? Measure my days with her. I've got to make them count. I've got to measure my days with Zoe. I mean, I've got to measure. I've got two teenagers in the house. That means they're getting close to that age where things going to change a little bit, like they have with Mo and Joe. And I, I'm thankful the, for, the, for the influence I have in their lives. But I, I tell you, it's a different season now. Life is frail. Number two, we must remember we do not have limitless time. If we're going to measure our days, we must remember we do not have limitless time. Isn't that what Scripture teaches? Really, in verse 5. You know, God's amazing. He uses illustrations that sometimes we just pass over like they're no big deal. But look at God's sense of humor here. He says, behold, your days are like a hand's breath. Look, the next time you get overconfident about your life, just look at your hand. (laughs) Look at it. Not all that impressive, is it? That's about how long my life is in that hand. In light of eternity, God says, that's your life right there. Boop, over. All right, you want to you bring it home a little bit more? America, from the East Coast to the West Coast, 3,000 miles. 3,000 miles. So where I'm standing right now, where I'm standing is somewhere in between 3,000 miles, right? All right, there's my life right there. Boop. Start over. Boy, <laughs> Man, I better quit taking life for granted. It's like a hand's breath. And it's over. It comes, it goes. And at age 51, it becomes even more of a convicting thought. You young people, listen to me. You're, 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 you've got to get your thinking right. These verses are just as much for you as they are for me. If you're sitting there thinking, well, that's a 51-year-old. I'm just 11. I'm just 21. Man, I got, I got a long time before I get there. That's what you think. Scripture says no. Scripture says you don't have limitless time. Scripture says your life is like a vapor. God sees his whole creation just like that, a hand's breath. Now, I've learned a principle in life that we run out of things before we think we're going to. We run out of things. We're just going through life. Everything's great. And and, and we run out of it. Money. Money's like that, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how you run out of money before you think you're going to? I mean, hey, I can start off the week with some money, 
And then before long, <laughs> Chloe and Zoe come into the picture. I mean, I had money. I did. I, I woke up last yesterday. I put my wallet and I thought, hey, look, man, I got some cash today. And then they called. We're going to Winter Jam. We need this money. I'm like, well, there goes that money. And then, you know, there's a field trip. And then there's, you know, youth activity. And I, I, by the way, I'm not complaining. I'm loving that. I'm loving that. I'm giving you an illustration. The illustration is money's kind of like that, isn't it? We run out of it before we think we're going to. Right? Well, what about our calendar, our schedule, right? Isn't it amazing how, how quickly a day goes by? It's like I wake up at 6, I have my devotions till 7, I get in the shower till 7.15, I go to class at 8, I get out of class at 8, I go to my office at 9, I jam some work in, I go to chapel at 10, I get back, I counsel till 12 or 1, and I, 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 I try to get, return a few phone calls, I, I, I go to a meeting, maybe like a, a college meeting or a church staff meeting or a teen revolution meeting, and, then, and I'm like, it is 4 o'clock! What has happened to today? I had the whole day, and it's gone. And then I look at my to-do list, and it's just as big as it was at 8. Like, this isn't going to work. So I, sometimes I, I just have to say three or four hours of nothing so I can get that stuff done that just keeps getting longer. Little things, you know. And then time, the years, the years, the years, time. Oh, the years. They fly by. The years, it's like you think you got so much of it. I mean, you think I'm okay, like right now. Here's the danger, I'm 51, I got time, I got, I got 20, 30 years. Eric, don't think that way. Your life's like a hand breath. Your life's like that, your life's fragile. You don't have limitless time. Therefore, David says, measure our days in Psalm chapter 103 on the screen, verse 15. You'd be shocked at how many scriptures allude to the fact that life is short. Man's days are as grass. That's a nice way to kind of look at our life, grass. I mean, you know, it grows, you mow it down. That's life. Welcome to the real world, everybody. Next time you mow your lawn, just remember, that's life. You're just mowing, you know, it just goes that quick. The flower field, so he, so he flourisheth. As a flower of the field flourisheth, so, for the wind passeth over it and is gone. The wind comes and goes, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Life is just here and then no more. What about James chapter number four? Whereas you know not what shall be in the morrow, for what is your life? It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time. Focus on those words. That's your life. Ready? Little time, and then vanisheth away. We have to get with it, don't we? Are you feeling that? Now, don't worry. Brother Eric's going to end on a... On a I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to inspire you this morning, but before I inspire you, I really, I really want you to experience some conviction here like I have. You know, you didn't have the advantage of preparing the message like I did, so the Holy Spirit's already knocked me over the head a few times, and he's already opened my eyes. I'm asking God to open your eyes this morning. If you're going to give, give it. If you're going to witness, witness. If you're going to start tithing, please start tithing. If you're going to overcome that vice that has you, overcome it, please. I talked to someone recently with a, with a tobacco-chewing problem. And I was just sharing with them. You know, I found out just, just randomly through, and they're not in our church, so somebody were counseling outside of our church. And, 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 and so the, the, it was just a situation where the wife told us in counseling that he got mad at her and... 
And she said, well, we're going to tell the counselor everything. And so I said, well, do you have it in there now? He said, yeah, I got it in here now. I said, what are you doing with the spit? He said, I'm swallowing it. I said, sir. I said, listen to me. What's it going to take? When, when are you going to quit? When are you going to stop? Do you, do you think it's wrong? I know it's wrong. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So it's sin, right? It's sin. Then what's it going to take? You see, so many of us, we are, we are hanging on to junk. Just like that. Swallowing our sin. Just digesting it. Cutting our lives short of full potential. And we blink. And that's how we spent our life? Swallowing tobacco juice? Really? You see, that's what I'm saying. You say, that's kind of a gross example. Well, it's either gross or it's true or it's truly gross. It's one or the other. So I'm just, I'm just asking you to think about these things. Number three, we must remember that we do not have time to waste. We, we can't waste time, guys. We just don't have enough time to waste. Methuselah lived 969 years. We don't have that. Ain't happening. Life is short. Notice here, there's no time to experiment in vanity. Look at these verses. He says here in verse number 5, Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. You know what vanity is? Nothingness. Honestly, church, and I'm saying this. I know this isn't like the normal encouraging message, but sometimes we need these. Listen, so much of what we do is nothingness. It's nothingness. So much of what I do, it's just nothing. It's vain. It doesn't matter. We, we end up living our lives for things that just don't matter. In the grand scheme of things, honestly, you know, I, I want to have more moments at Starbucks with my family witnessing to a man than I do having deer heads on my wall. I'm not against deer heads. Go to the tech. God bless you. But how many, how many do you need? I mean, I've talked to guys that, you know, how many got, well, you know, I've, I've spent 50, I've got $50,000 worth of whatever they are. These things that you stuff and you throw them on the wall and it's vanity, bro. I mean, your little girl doesn't want another deer head. She wants daddy at Starbucks or out for a date or buying her a milkshake. She'd rather have a milkshake than bearskin. This is good preaching. I know it hurts. Because nobody's going to tell me they're, you know, don't call a preacher if you're going hunting. No. Go hunting. I'm all, go fishing. Just remember that if, if that's what you're living for, it's vain. If that's what, you, if you're living for the next little trip with the guys or outing with the boys and you're neglecting the things that matter, it's nothing wrong with some of these things. I, I, I'm just trying, preaching is the Holy Spirit taking His Word and applying it to our hearts. And when He does that, there, there's some conviction involved in it. We don't have time to waste with this or that. James 4, 13 through 17. Go to now, ye that say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into the city and continue their year. We'll buy and sell. We'll get game. We'll do this. We'll do that. We'll have fun. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time, vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will... We'll live and do this or that. 
More thought into it. But now rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. All of our boasting about our, our nothingness. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. God is trying to get our attention here. What are we spending our lives doing? We don't have time to waste. Listen, you know, it's, it's, you may not understand this, but I hope, I hope that you will. I think that you will. But, you know, now that I've been here almost 24 years in June, man, I've got this thing that I just don't want to mess around. I want to I make sure that, you know, if I, that I finish my race here. With, 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 with some fervor and some, and some excitement and some enthusiasm. I want to I do all that I can with what time I have left. We've only got so much time to work with. Let's measure our days. Let's do it right. Let's get it done. You know, I realize <clears throat> not everybody here knows everything that, all the opportunity here. But I'm going to tell you something, church. We're trying. We're working on getting more of it out there we got about 50 people right now going through the spiritual gifts test, finishing up. We're close to being done with a lot, five small groups. We're going to try to get those into all the small groups and then get them into the church. It's just we're doing the best we can. We're working hard at, at identifying those things so that we can get everybody plugged into where they can really reach their potential. But I'm going to tell you, you know, if you're sitting here wondering, well, I don't know what I can do. Listen, honestly, <laughs> there's so much you can do. There's so many opportunities. The problem is, is they require time. They require an hour or two a week. They require 30 minutes. You see, a lot of us can't do what we're supposed to do until we get rid of stuff we're not supposed to do. I was talking to Sonia and Lydia this week. Just, I'll give you one little example. It's cute. But I'm talking to our church family, visitors listening. I just talked to Sonia and I said, what do y'all do over there for C4C? And they said, well, you know, we, we feed them every week. I said, you feed all the kids that rob them? Oh, every week we feed them. Every week we feed them a meal. Right, Greg? I said, that's crazy. Who pays for that? Oh, we do. Just y'all. I said, why couldn't a small group take the first Sunday of every month? I said, how much does it cost to feed all those kids? She goes, we can feed them for 35 to 50. I thought, so there's a ministry there. You say, well, I don't like kids. Well, good, don't like them, just feed them. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to go over there. Just, just help feed them. We'll do it for you. We'll, we'll clean up. Here's my point. You see, there's so much to do. The problem is, is we just talk like we, we want to do it, but we, it means change if we do it, and change means sometimes early, and change means sometimes late, and that means, well, I already do this, and I already do that, so, see, we've got to look at our lives and measure our days. By the way, if someone wants to help with those meals, see Sonia or Lydia Let's overwhelm them. You know, the truth of the matter is, there's way over 52 families in our church. If a family took one week a year to feed those kids, how awesome would that be for your family one Sunday a year to feed those bus kids? That could happen here. And Sonya's willing to organize it. Don't ask me. I've got too much already to do. She'll organize it. She'll make that happen. You know, I say that humbly, but I mean... Honestly, she's there for that. Lydia's there for that. I mean, I'll help. I'll be one of the 52. But number four, we must ask ourselves this question, and I'm done. What are we waiting for? Look at verse 39, and I'm done. And now, Lord, or verse 7, I'm sorry. Chapter 39, verse 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? What? Lord, what am I waiting for? 
I've heard the sermon, okay, I've heard the sermon. That's like the 17th time I've heard something like that. Why am I doing anything? Why am I not doing anything? Why am I not spending more time with my family? God, why am I not doing that? What am I waiting for? God, why am I not more involved in ministry? God, why am I not praying more? Why am I not doing, what am I waiting for, God? We need to ask ourselves that question. What am I waiting for in my marriage? When am I going to get this thing going? When am I going to really do the things that need to be done to nourish my marriage so we don't end up in divorce? You say, well, that's not an option. Well, it is for over 50% of the Christian world so far. I mean, it's, it's, it's as high as the world. So that's a legitimate statement to say in church. Uh, we got to pay attention to our family. What am I waiting for when it comes to my giving? What, 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 what am I waiting for? I mean, you got the illustration of the widow's might. Listen, church, we already know. <laughs> Every, every penny counts when we give to God. What am I waiting for when it comes to service? What am I waiting for when it comes to my, my holy living? Listen, we, if we are to measure our days according to David, coming out of a really awful time in his life, we've got to remember life is frail. We don't have limitless time, no time to waste. And we've got to at some point stop and say, what am I waiting for? The time is when? Now. Let's go. Let's get it done. Let's get involved. Let's get our marriage. Let's spend time with our kids. Let's look at our schedules. Let's adjust things. Let's sit down with our wives and say, okay, honey, pick me apart. What, 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 here's, what do you look at and, and really what upsets you about my life? Tell me right now. I'm giving you full reign. You tell me what it is that I spend too much time doing that is hurting our marriage. You tell me, sweetheart. I'm ready. I'm not waiting any longer. I want this to hurt. It needs to hurt because I don't change without pain. No pain, no gain. So it's going to hurt. But, if it, but I guarantee you, folks, if we'll allow this process to take place, it hurt David. It hurt David to, to make these changes. But David made the changes. I close with this story and I'm done. But, you know, <clears throat> years ago I heard this story about an evangelist that was traveling and he had a question he Wanted to get answered. He was an analytical guy. He thought things through way too much. And he said, man, the only way I'm going to get the answer to this question is by talking to a, a death row inmate. And so I said, well, what, what, that's crazy. What was it? He goes, no, no, let me tell you the story. He said, so I'm traveling in evangelism and I'm going to different churches. And I'm asking these pastors, do you have a prison ministry? And these pastors would say, no, yes, no, yes. The ones that would say yes, I would say, well, do you have a prison ministry in maximum security? I did this for four years, and I didn't get a yes until I was in Houston, Texas. I believe it was Houston or southern Texas. And a pastor said, yes, I have a prison ministry. Do you have one in maximum security like death row? He said, oh, yeah, we have a chaplain in our church that actually is the chaplain for the death row inmates. He said, could he get me in a cell? I've got to ask an inmate two questions on death row. The pastor said, that's kind of strange. He goes, I, I know, but it's something I've got to do. So he goes to the chaplain. The chaplain says, well, it's going to take some paperwork. Keep your fingers crossed. You know, he's there for the week in evangelism. They get it all done. He gets to go to the cell. He goes to the prison. He meets the, the jailer, the, the prison guard. They found one prisoner on death row that would even speak to him. So he's walking down this cold corridor, and he says there's these cells on both sides of him, these little small cells with like a, 
metal bed and a little sink and a toilet and a window with five or six bars on it. That's it. It's sad. They're walking through this thing, and all of a sudden, he turns to his right. The jailer opens the cell and says, here's the one that said he would talk to you. He walks into the cell, and he hears that that gate, that door shut. He said it was kind of like, whoa. He said he just felt it go down through his body, you know. I'm in a cell with somebody on death row, and the guard just stood there like this. He said, hey, bro, he said, just real quick, just so you know, no questions about God and no questions about religion. He said, no, my questions aren't about God or religion. He goes, fire away. He said, question number one, how do you measure time? How do you measure your days? Psalm 39, 4. How do you measure your days? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. He said, pulls out a pad from underneath his little bed. He said, here's what I do. He said, every time the sun rises and the sun sets. One. Sun rises and the sun sets. Two. He said, after six, on the seventh one, I put a line. That's a week. He said, then when I do four of those, I circle it. That's a month. After 12 of those, I turn the page and start over. That's a year. He said, every one of these pages, one year. Two years, three years. He finally got to the page that wasn't full. However many years, six months, three weeks, and two days. He said, sir, that's how I measure time. Next question. He goes, I just have one more. He said, well, what is it? He said, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but why do you bother? Why why would you care? You're on death row. You're you're not getting out. You're, You're here for life. Oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you why I do it. I'll tell you why. He said, sir, you see, I do it because I really believe one of these days I'm getting out of here. One of these days. I still got time. I'm getting out. He said, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. He walks out. The guard walks him down the corridor and leans over and says, preacher, if you don't mind, I... That was kind of strange. How do you measure your days and why? What were you wondering? Why did you need to ask him? He said, I got the answer to a puzzling thought. He said, you see, the only difference between a man on death row in prison for life and a man burning in hell is the man on death row still has a ray of hope. But the man in hell has no hope. Listen, church. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, there's still hope. You're still alive. You're not brain dead. You're, you're, not, you're not gone yet. Listen, but you could be. You see, don't think that you have more time when it comes to salvation. Don't think I can just go through. I'll, I'll, get, I'll take care of this next Easter. Some other time. No, no. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be saved. Today is the day to say yes to Jesus. Today, today, today. And then those of you today who know Jesus, but you've been wasting time. You just keep piddling around with stuff that's like nothing. It's vain. It's not helping your marriage. It's not helping your children. It's not really helping the church. It's just stuff. You're just going here and there and just kind of partying and doing your deal. And you kind of like your life because it's all about you. God says, 
you're living your life for nothing because you're not supposed to live for you. You're supposed to live for him and for others. So I ask you today, where are you at in all this? And if you need to come pray, you come pray. Let's fire our heads, shall we?